Good morning. It's August 2nd. It's another gorgeous morning in New York City, and this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. Yesterday was a big day after months of speculation and anticipation and a long countdown toward the inevitable. The New York Mets traded Justin Verlander to the Houston Astros, getting two prospects in return and breaking up this expensive incarnation of what was supposed to be a super team. With the deal that sent Max Scherzer to the Texas Rangers, the Mets have now divided their top two high-priced superstar pitchers between the top two teams in the American League West, which either shakes up that division race or locks it into even more of a condition of stasis. Also yesterday, Donald Trump got indicted again, this time, for his efforts to overturn the election and disrupt the tallying of the electoral votes, culminating in the January 6th assault on the Capitol. The New York Times spreads that news across all six columns of the front page. The headline is, Trump charged with, quote, destabilizing lies, end quote, in three conspiracies to overturn his defeat. Below that, a news analysis column by Peter Baker asks, in the headline, what's at stake? Essence of American democracy. Writing for posterity and or an orchestra of 10,000 brass kazoos, Baker writes, in the long annals of the Republic, The White House has seen its share of perfidy and scandal, presidents who cheated on their wives and cheated the taxpayers, who abused their power and abused the public trust. But not since the framers emerged from Independence Hall on that clear, cool day in Philadelphia 236 years ago. Which clear, cool day? Assuming we're talking about the end of the Constitutional Convention here, but there's no prior referent. Who needs a prior referent when you're writing for history? Uh, Anyway, 236 years ago, Has any president who was voted out of office been accused of plotting to hold on to power in an elaborate scheme of deception and intimidation that would lead to violence in the halls of Congress? Blah, 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 blah. This third indictment in four months gets to the heart of the matter, the issue that will define the future of American democracy. I don't know. I guess I'll write something in the newsletter about the shortcomings of this analytical framework. But the guy who's writing news analysis in the New York Times seems to be making a sort of important conceptual error here. The Trump case, Baker writes, raises the kind of specter more familiar in countries with histories of coups and juntas and dictators. Well, does the Trump case do that? Or does the fact that Trump tried three years ago very much in the public eye to overthrow the election do that? What did special counsel Jack Smith tell us yesterday that we didn't already know? And when I say three years, I do mean three years, because as of August 2020, the Trump administration, including many of their rats who would later leave the sinking ship and reinvent themselves as whistleblowers to the January 6th committee, like Attorney General Bill Barr, were busy spreading falsehoods about how much fraud they anticipated seeing in the upcoming election, before the actual numbers came in and they realized it wasn't close enough to steal without things getting uglier than they wanted. Elsewhere on the front page, down at the bottom, there's a story about the state-run campaign of repression and persecution against transgender people in Russia. Critics, including legal and medical professionals, the Times writes, and gay rights activists, view the campaign as an effort to distract from Russia's military failings in Ukraine. By creating a boogeyman, it can portray as a threat from a deviant and corrupt West. That's fine and probably true, but then what military failure is the American campaign to eliminate trans people supposed to be a distraction from. Next to that, there's a strangely credulous story 
about how New York City has run out of space for the migrants arriving here. You have to take the jump and flip to the back of the section before you get to the part that says, last week, there were still enough beds to allow the city to honor its legal obligation to offer shelter to every person who wanted it. Sometime over the weekend, that stopped being the case. No explanation was offered. Mayor Eric Adams simply said on Monday, there is no more room. He also said, from this moment on, it's downhill. Personally, given the mayor's record of regarding adherence to the law as strictly optional across any number of areas, and the mayor's habit of saying things in public that are demonstrably and obviously untrue, and the mayor's months-long efforts specifically to hype up migration as a crisis and to breach the right to shelter in the city, I would look for something a little bit clearer than the mayor's say-so before publishing a story about how it's no longer possible to offer shelter to migrants. The planet is still cooking. Iran declared a two-day holiday to deal with temperatures of 123 degrees in some places. The forecast for Phoenix has it up to 110 degrees again. And that's the news. Thank you for listening. We forgot to play the Mega Millions last night. So please, now more than ever, subscribe to Indignity to keep us going. And we will talk again tomorrow.